It is Thursday, November 3rd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, spending the entire plane ride home from London in the back doing high knees, <laughs> J.P. Shedrick. And magically, all my pain is gone. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday. It is week nine. I am J.P. Shadrick. Let's take a look at what's coming up on the, the next two hours ahead of busy couple hours. Analyst Jeff Lagerman is standing by to discuss this Raiders-Jaguars matchup coming up at the bank on Sunday. The Jags trying to snap a five-game skid. It's now 2-6, and six, the overall record. The Raiders are at 2-5. and five. They've split their last four games. They were shut out last week. We'll get into all that coming up. Then at 5 o'clock, we'll hear from the head coach, Doug Peterson, joining us. We'll get his thoughts on this matchup coming back home, coming off the London trip. Well, the Jags are back from London trying to snap that skid. A lot of the same issues week to week, it feels like, are popping up, especially in the red zone, especially on goal-to-goal situations, certainly on first and goal at the one. And Trevor Lawrence is learning as it goes. That point in the game, you know, we're up, we're up 7-0, and you just you think about how would that change the game if we end up scoring on that drive and make it 14-0 and really kind of take the life out of their sideline and, <clears throat> and, and kind of keep all the momentum. Um, I think that's the most frustrating thing when you look back on it and just how the game changes. But the play in this position, play, I mean, just playing this sport, it's all about the next play. So, you know, I, I think that's something I've had to learn in my career is how to move on to the next play. Like, you're going to have some bad plays, and obviously that one's just – you know that one's that one's not acceptable. Just the situation you got to we got to eliminate those. So I'm obviously learning my lessons there and, and moving forward. Not going to make that mistake. And um, so it's frustrating, but at the same time you got I think that was in the first quarter. So you got you got three more quarters to play, um, and you, you can't you got to do your best to not let that affect the rest of the game. That was a moment that really turned the early part of that game in London. The Jaguars lost, of course, to the Denver Broncos. Press Taylor is the offensive coordinator, and earlier today discussed the play of Travis Etienne Jr. He is on a roll right now on the ground, 156 under the arch at Wembley last week. We were fortunate to be able to continue to run the ball, and obviously Travis is benefiting from the offensive line, the receivers, the tight ends doing their job as well. Trevor getting us in the right plays. Coach continuing to stick through some runs and keeping ourselves in favorable situations where you can still run the ball. Um, so, yeah, that certainly builds confidence every time you see Travis produce. It's unknown, he's a younger player, unknown what kind of production he'll have at this level. But, you know, so far so good. And we just want to continue to keep him on that path of growing as, a, as the total complete back. Now to the defensive side. The Jaguars had the lead in the fourth quarter, and then the Broncos went on a game-winning touchdown drive. That drive started on a big pass play from Russell Wilson to K.J. Hamler on the opening play of that drive. Well, Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator this week, asked if Darius Williams would go outside or Trey Herndon inside. That's the plan. I think uh, other than one play last week, you didn't hear Trey's name. And we go to it, and... He played some really good plays, just like we all did. And one play stands out, but, you know, his head's up. He's confident. We're confident in him. And he's going to go back out there this week and continue to play. He said uh, it is status quo. They're not going to change. They'll keep Trey outside and Williams inside at the cornerback position. And now the Las Vegas Raiders are on deck for the Jaguars. Yes, they were shut out last week. But, yes, Doug Peterson understands that a team 
can get back on track in a hurry. We had a game just like that this season where where we held a held a team to zero, and then you know next thing you know they're over thirty points the next next time we play them. So uh, each week's different, and each game plan is different, and the set of circumstances are different. And you 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 put the past in the past, and you focus focus on the current. So um, I would expect a different you know Raider team this weekend. There you have it, all the press conferences and media availabilities on Jaguars.com right now or the Jaguars social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And more with head coach Doug Peterson coming up at 5 o'clock on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars radio network. Jeff Lagerman is on that program, and he's on this one now. Jaguars happy hour is always on a Thursday. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Here we are, week nine. It's almost and- evening. Yeah, but it's not yet. It's four it's o'clock. Close. It's four, close. It's close. It's kind of right there between. You know, what you could, is the border? You could go either way. What is the dividing line of that? Seven yeah, five o'clock? o'clock? Five o'clock? Five o'clock, you would be officially in the evening, but four o'clock, you could go either way. But prime time is eight o'clock and later. I can tell you this. It's, uh, what time it is. It's happy hour. It is. JP, That's, where's the drinks? <laughs> we need. We might need some on a five-game losing skin. Might I'll need one that. after that game. Ooh, yikes. Um, so, a couple of interceptions from the quarterback that's been – the big talking point this week, of course, and a first and goal at the one. We saw it against the Texans in a second, I think, in goal situation in that game. And now first and goal, yeah, uh, a play you just can't make. That's the play that I, I'm talking about. I might need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you, know you, you made the mistake uh, earlier in the year against the Houston Texans, and you just – you just can't make that throw on a first and goal from the one. And I think the other disappointing aspect was that after the game, Trevor was asked about that play, and he said he didn't necessarily think it was a bad decision. It was a bad throw. No. Mm. No, it's a it's a bad throw, and it's a bad decision. Both of them were bad. And I'm sure that he realized that. And the disappointing thing is that that play affected the performance for him for the rest of the game, in my opinion. Because you, there, I thought that that was his worst game as a pro. The reason I say that is that if you go look look at a passer rating, and you could argue that the Philly game was worse, just because of the giveaways, okay. But as a passer, I thought that was the worst game. And the reason I say that there were about eight instances in that ball game that he had either inaccuracies or he had options that were open that he didn't see, which when he had time to find it. Uh, or that there were just poor decisions made, like the interception, the interception that happened early in the ball game, and also the interception that happened yeah, later in the it's game. The bad throw, yeah. So that one was the the second one was inaccurate and also a poor decision because he had a crosser route right underneath Zay Jones for an easy completion to to get the chains moving on the first play. And I and I and the reason it bothered me that game more than other ones is that. He had a really strong running game, and the offensive line was playing very well. So if there was ever a game to bounce back from a mistake, to not have one mistake affect the rest of your game, this was the game. Okay, Travis Etienne is just lighting it up. The offensive line is doing a really good job against a very talented Broncos defense. You've got open guys that you couldn't take advantage of. And how he bounces back, after this game, I think it's going to be very telling because you're looking at now, so far this season, three not very good, poor games, if you want to call them that. Three poor games this year. 
that he has not helped this team win. He's been a, a more of a bigger reason for why they've lost. That needs to change. He's got to change the direction, and that's why I've said this before. It's the hardest position to play in all of sports, and it takes a physical toughness, and it takes, most importantly, a mental toughness to play that position because it is hard. It has growing pains that you've got to be able to withstand, and this is a great test for him to be able to weather this storm and to fight through it and to learn from it. He's got to learn from it, JP, because he didn't learn in Houston or out of Houston or against Houston at home. I'm going to guess, and uh, this is the longest stretch uh, like this in his entire football life, from high school to college, certainly uh, now in the pros. Um, you know, five game skid, all the turnovers, everything that go with it. Uh, they didn't play a lot of close games at Clemson. They were winning a lot of those big, um, and so being in tight games late. It's all relatively new to him. Well, the reality is is that this is a much different game than college. If it were the same game, there was there would be a lot of Heisman winners that would move on or yeah. that had moved on to the pros that would have had much better professional careers. Yeah, right. It's just it's a different game. It uh, the windows are smaller, the accuracy, the men, the mental acuity that's required to play in the NFL is is so much higher compared to college football. And definitely more than than high school football, because you got to make good decisions. You know the the awareness when you're first and goal, and and I know it's kind of beating up that play, but you got to use that as an example because it's shiny. First and goal from the one, you can't risk anything. And on that particular play, it's essentially it's a rollout speed out. So he's running out fast. He's got Christian Kirk a real quick out route, little speed out, hits it. And then maybe the other option is to run it if for some crazy reason they've abandoned the end zone, which you're not going to get that. But then the next option, throw it away. Throw it away because you're first and goal at the one. And as a coach, a lot of people want to criticize the call. I don't have a problem with the call. The reason I don't have a problem with the call is you've got to be able to trust your quarterback that that is either a hit for a touchdown or it's thrown away as a as a. As a play caller, you can't sit there and go, well, I can't call that because we might throw an interception there. Yeah, that's right. Because that's not an option there. You know, on a play-action pass on first and goal from the one, and I'm not trying to say that analytics is king, but, I mean, it's it has a pretty high success rate. And and you don't make decisions based solely on that, but the reality is sometimes you be able to have to be able to catch a team off guard, and that's a, that's a good play. It's worked for a long period of time in the National Football League. And you just can't make that throw. And then you have to be able to, to say, I can't make that throw after the game. Now the positive part of it. You mentioned Travis Etienne Jr. We oh, heard awesome. from Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, talking about his play so far. And he is on a roll now. 356 rushing yards in his first three NFL starts. That's the last three weeks combined. It's the most through their first three career starts for any running back in Jaguars history. Uh, more than Fred, more than Maurice, and Travis is really starting to heat up. And, you know, it, it just looked like he was running with a different uh, aggression, a different style maybe. More power. Between the tackles, pads down. Yeah, he had, he had more power. Yeah. You know, the, the, and, and he's calming down is what's happening. We actually talked about this a few weeks ago that sometimes it almost looks like he was he was running out of control, getting a little bit more – weight forward than he needed to so when somebody touched the leg he would 
get tripped up. And he's he's running more under control now, more confident. He's not trying to press so much. Oh, I got to make this play. He's just running natural now. And running natural means for him that he's seeing the holes and he hits a hole so fast that the linemen a lot of times don't have to hold their blocks, but for an instant to allow him to get through. And because he's not running with so much weight forward now that when he does get something tangled up around his legs, he's still maintaining his balance and then keeping the leg drive and making some nice gains after contact, more so than I think that he's done, particularly in the first couple games of the season. And he's been impressive. He's a, he's a stud. You just want to, you know, keep him healthy and make sure that uh, that he's available for every game this year because I think running back depth is is a little bit of a question mark. And hang on to the football, for goodness sakes. Yeah, you well. can't fumble it like yeah. he did against the Giants at the five going in. and He knows that. He said and, that in the locker room today. He's been working on that. Well, and, and I think that's also – that goes back to you're trying to run too hard, you know, and, and trying to, to do so much real fast, and you, you push a little bit because, you know, you, you want to do good, and, you know, it's early in his career. And the more confidence, the more experience he gains, I think the less we'll see of that type of thing. But he is a joy to watch. And I just can't wait to see what's next with him because, I mean, what, three consecutive games of a rush of over 40 yards. Yeah. And we haven't even – wait till we see him get out on a screenplay to where he gets a little bit of space and then all of a sudden, zoom, off he goes. I can't wait. It's going to be fun to watch for sure. Hey, we've got plenty ahead on Jaguars Happy Hour We'll return and get into the defense, especially in the final three, four minutes of that game last week at Wembley and how they hold on to a fourth-quarter lead. uh, That's another conversation to have, right? Well, we're about to have it when we come back. And, of course, the second hour coming up at 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach ahead of this Raiders-Jaguars matchup. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Star Credit Union. Do good, bank better. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday and it's week nine. I'm J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Coming up at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show. The Jaguars head coach joining us. We'll get his thoughts on, well, we'll clean up what happened in London. And then we'll look forward to the Raiders-Jaguars matchup coming up in week number nine. That's just uh, this Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff time at the bank. All right, so a five-game skid for the Jaguars, and in many of these losses, the Jaguars have lost fourth-quarter leads. The defense this past week when it mattered on the opening play when the Jaguars had just taken the lead, gave up a long pass from Russell Wilson to K.J. Hamler over Trey Herndon and set him up in Jaguars territory and, and with plenty of time remaining. But then the Jaguars got him to third down at one point. It was third and five. And then Russell Wilson escapes with his legs and gets the first down at the two-minute warning and keeps the sticks moving. And a few plays later, they punch it into the end zone for the go-ahead and what proved to be the game-winning touchdown. But another moment late in the game where the defense either gives up a big pass like they did in Indy uh, for the game-winning touchdown there or can't stop the run against the Giants in the four-minute drill 
and get off the field there, and, and they could have done that. So basically, it's another pass. Basically, if we had, or we've seen four consecutive games where the defense, if they just rise up and make a play, yeah, then they have a chance at winning, or they do win. Okay, and this past game in London was very similar, but I, I give them credit because the offense was just struggling for a long while in the second half. You know, they come out. And, uh, you know, I wrote some notes down here. You come out, you got a eight-play drive, but you got to punt it. Then you punt it again, you punt it again, you punt it again, <laughs> right? So, finally, you're able to put together a drive, which is the go-ahead score of the ball game. You're up 17-14. And one of the reasons why they're able to get this go-ahead score is because the defense did a great job against the Denver offense to where they forced them the – Two consecutive three and outs before they ended up taking over and taking that in for a score. So, I mean, that's a good job. Okay, but now once you've gotten the lead, now you have to close the game out. Somebody has to make a play. And the very first play, you had the long completion to K.J. Hamler over Trey Herndon. And, and we heard Mike Caldwell talk about how well Trey Herndon had played all game and, and only gives up the one play. But it's a big play. Big okay, play, big play, and I would kind of question: Is do you want to have Trey Herndon press coverage at that moment in the game? Um, and that's that you can debate that, and we could argue that uh, you know a million different ways. But the week before, you saw Trey Herndon get beat on another go route, and uh, I would have loved to have seen Trey Herndon play in, in off coverage in that situation instead of press, especially with the wide receiver being off the ball because it's hard to get a jam or to disrupt a route when a wide receiver essentially has about a two-and-a-half-yard window to evade any kind of disruption or a jam in the route off the line of scrimmage. And then if you whiff on him, he's got 4-3 speed. And he's got, he he's got momentum. That's right. And K.J. Hamler, like you said, is a fast guy. So, so that was disappointing. The third and five where Josh Allen – Sticks his nose underneath inside the tackle, who, by the way, was third string, third, third, third string guy. Have an opportunity there to, to beat him. He dips underneath, and up Russell Wilson goes for an easy first down. You, know, you just can't have that. And uh, you got to have a balanced approach, especially on a guy that has mobility. There's, there's historical mobility with Russell Wilson. That you go into that game knowing – I don't care if he's coming off of a hamstring. <laughs> with I don't hamstring. care if he's coming off of a shoulder. It's Russell Wilson. He was the one doing your exercises on the plane ride over to London. That's right. I taught him that. You knew he was going to be fine. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that part is disappointing. And uh, it was good to see that they got a takeaway. Great play by Tyson Campbell. Great play. Excellent play that led to the first points of the game. And for a guy who in the past has had some issues with balls like that, up in the air and, you know, finding it and the whole deal. But this was different in that this was a zone coverage. This is what he does best. Tyson plays best when he has his eyes back to the quarterback, and that was a cover two. And uh, we actually are going to uh, draw this play up. It'll be on YouTube. All right. I think later in the week it might be on YouTube available now on the Jaguars channel. Nice. Well, I went to the uh, film room with Deshae Townsend, the defensive backs coach, and we drew this play up. He drew this play up and talked about it. Uh, and it did a great job of explaining, and, uh, and I'll explain it to people here. 
you know, when you have a cover two corner, the first job of the corner is to get in the face of the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage to try to disrupt the route because you don't want to get two guys on the same level at the safety because then he has to make a choice, which guy do I cover? So Tyson does a great job of getting his arms out, but he kind of misses the jam. But it disrupts the route just enough. Then he has to turn his eyes to the inside because if it's a run play, he's got to be able to come up and support on the outside because cover two is a seven-man front. You get the eighth guy by a corner and run support. Well, he does a good job of taking a peek, and it's not there. So then he starts to fall off underneath of Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver, realizes there's nobody underneath of him that would make him check up. He continues to gain depth at the whole time, JP, mm-hmm. with his eyes back to the quarterback and high points the ball underneath of Cortland Sutton. Magnificent play, and it's his fourth career interception, second of the year. Good job by, by Tyson. He's playing well. And it was interesting, I'll bring this up, because we had Rasheen Mathis on the show last week on Jaguars All Access, and you you mentioned, I've talked about it before, how sometimes he has Tyson has a hard time when he's trying to figure out, do I turn around and look for the ball, the timing of, of, of when to do that? And I asked Rasheen about that, and I said, you know, how, how does a, a young defensive back take that next step in that category? And he said, look, he said, there's a lot of guys that just have that ability. It's just they're born with it. And he goes, but some guys do have the ability to train their eyes, to train their timing, and to learn to get better. And so I was encouraged by what Rasheen said because he given me the belief that Tyson's going to continue to get better. And we're talking about a player who was already a very good football player, one of the top corners according to Pro Football Focus ranking-wise. I think he's – Top five. That's pretty good. So, But a nice nice play by him. So uh, check out the uh, YouTube uh, channel for the Jaguars and, and check out going into the film room with Deshae Towns and the Jaguars cornerbacks coach. And that leads us to this week's matchup against the Raiders offense. Derek Carr, ninth-year quarterback, and Devontae Adams at wide receiver. I think he had one catch last week. He's not the type that wants to have one catch back-to-back weeks. Um What's the matchup like this week, and how do you defend Devontae? Well, he's going to make catches on you just because he's so good at making contested catches. He doesn't have elite speed as a wide receiver, but he's got good speed. Last week he's going to be a little angry because he was open and the quarterback didn't play very well at all. I thought Derek Carr played poorly in that game against New Orleans. And Devontae Adams is a really good football player. He's one of, I think, five guys that have – uh, and I wrote this numbers down and, and share it with you, JP, which is, I'm sure you're aware of this, but this is for the folks out there. There's only been five guys in the history of the National Football League that have had 700-plus catches and 75-plus touchdowns in nine seasons. Wow. Okay, there's only been five. Here are the five. Jerry Rice. Yeah, that was going to be my first guess. Hall of Famer. Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Calvin Johnson. Hall of Famer. Larry Fitzgerald, future soon, Hall of Famer. Soon to be, yeah. And Devontae Adams. About that. And and he's not even midway through his ninth season. I mean, that's that's impressive now. But is he having the years, uh, a year like he's had in past years with Aaron Rodgers? If you look at the numbers, they're a little off. A little off. So as badly as he wanted to go back and play with his college teammate – 
The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Those numbers are pretty close to Christian Kirk's this year, aren't they? Yeah, but they're – I mean, do you compare them to Devontae Adams of the past couple of years? I'm not talking about – I'm talking about this season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. consider the the money that went back for both of those guys and, and what they're getting out of it. Well, Devontae Adams, I mean, they ended up – the Raiders gave up this year's first and second round picks, so which the first was the 22nd overall, and then the uh, second round pick was the 53rd overall – so that's a pretty steep price to pay, but it seems like everybody's willing to pay that for wide receivers these days. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, because Jaguars just paid. Guess you know, what? We know some for Calvin Ridley, right? <laughs> we know. We know very well. Yeah, how that works. Uh, just to to clarify that note here on the uh, wide receivers, uh, Christian Kirk is off to a, a really, at least statistical start. He's got 498 receiving yards so far this year. 35. Uh, receptions, which is not at the very top of the league, but um, that's at least a good start for him. And yeah, and then on the other side, uh, I got Adam. Throw, yeah, sixty-eight uh, targets, thirty-eight catches, five hundred twelve. I mean, that's pretty close. Yeah. the The interesting thing is that Devontae Adams, if you look at at his his history of targets and catches, he's been in the high sixty percent range as far as targets and catches. And this year, he's that's way down compared to where he has been historically. But he's a good football player. What will the Jaguars do? Will they will they travel somebody with Devontae Adams? Could they take a Tyson Campbell and say, hey, look, you're going to cover Devontae when we go man? We haven't seen a lot of that out of the Jaguars. Could they do it this week? I think that would be pretty interesting. Uh, could they take Darius Williams? Travel them? Could they put two guys on Devontae Adams and then leave everybody else single covered? I don't know. There's kind of two theories real quick here, JP. I know we got to take a break. Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick always had, and he's one of the great defensive minds to ever be in the league, arguably the greatest ever. Because a lot of people in the league used to have this approach that they would always take the best corner they had to put it on the best receiver. Belichick had always had a little bit of a different approach. He would take his second-best corner and then double cover the best guy with that second or third-best corner and a safety and then have his better guys on or the next or his two best guys the top guy on, on the other two guys, which was an interesting approach. You know, I remember when he kind of first started showing some of that stuff, I was like, man, that's so pretty cool because it's – kind of different than what most people would think would be the way to approach that so there's a couple approaches will they do that or will they just play their defenses i don't know but it's going to be something to watch we'll come back in a moment and there are a lot of eyes on the las vegas raiders injury report we'll get to that it's fresh it's hot off the press the jaguars have one name on the list this week as well we'll get the new one for thursday the uh, latest from practice uh, both here and uh, down in southwest Florida where the Raiders are working out this week. Check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's a free subscription on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download pods. Give us that five-star rating and a comment as always. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
PRI Productions, the Southeast full-service event company, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com and learn more. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Week 9, Raiders, Jaguars. Raiders 2-5, and five, Jaguars 2-6. and six. Five in a row the Jags have lost. They're trying to get back on track at home against the Raiders. And time now for the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. One name on the Jaguars list this week, Jamal Agnew, the kick returner and wide receiver with a knee issue. He's missed the last couple games, limited Wednesday, limited in practice again today, Logs, but um, maybe it's trending the right way. It'd be nice to see him back out there, I think. I hope so. Uh, The reason... Obviously, he uh, he adds an element to the offense, which is explosive. But most importantly, his return ability, I think, is always a threat. And after watching Jamichael Hasty as a kick returner, Christian Kirk as a punt returner, uh, they're not yeah. Jamal Agnew. Yeah. Christian uh, there had a couple of returns last week where you know I think when they first put him out there it's hey Christian just wave your hand and, and call for the fair catch but it was so open it's like okay I got to re- try to return a couple of these yeah well, it wasn't it wasn't out. wasn't great was it no and that's why you want Jamal Agnew back and and if you can and, and the Jaguars haven't had anything really explosive from special teams yet in the no. return game so that would be nice to be able to get something in that category Gary, now how much is that design you think with Jamal back there if he's back there we're not kicking to this guy you know no no I mean look he's had opportunities Jamal's had opportunities okay. just hasn't had that moment yet okay. and the Raiders got got a pretty good special teams group themselves now if you look at them they've got a kicker who has like 39 straight field goals going all the way back like a year ago they've got an all pro uh, pro bowl punter who is right up there at the top with Logan Cook. Uh, maybe even a little bit better than Logan Cook, which is that's pretty good, right? Yes. So this uh, this, uh, this is a, a good special teams group with the Las Vegas Raiders. So it would be nice to have Agnew back to be able to get, a, to, uh, to get a difference maker potentially out there on the field. We'll see what his status is tomorrow after practice. Now the Raiders have a long list. Devontae Adams was on that list with an illness. He was limited in practice Wednesday, but back full today for the Raiders. They had a bug going around their team last week. So I don't know if this is related to the bug that they had going around or if this was he was just sick after only having – one catch for three yards against the Saints. <laughs> right. He's ill. Could have uh, been both. That. Uh, Derek Carr's on the list with a back issue, but full Wednesday and Thursday shouldn't be an issue. Divine Diablo, or back and wrist injury, did not practice yesterday, but back uh, limited today. He's good. a linebacker. Good player. Them. Where's number five? He's a good football player. He's uh, their leading tackler. Really active. And they will miss him if he's not able to play because that's two practices that he has not practiced, correct? All right. That's, uh, he did not practice Wednesday, limited today. Okay, limited today. Yeah. Okay. And then the next three guys on this list limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Neil Farrell, defensive tackle. Mac Hollins, a wide receiver. And Darren Waller, the tight end. That's the big one. That's the one, the hamstring injury. He's been out a couple weeks. Yeah, he, uh, he er- uh, injured it, I think, early in the game against Kansas City. 
and uh, so missed the majority of that game, missed the last two games, was an inactive scratch. And this guy is dynamic. A couple years ago, he was a 1,000-yard tight end. He's a Pro Bowl type of guy. He's got the size. He's got the speed. Uh, it's a difficult matchup for defensive coordinators to try to figure out how do you cover him because he's got such sides. The size-speed combination, you know, with his size, you want to put a linebacker on him. But then when you see how fast he can run, you'd like to put a defensive back on him. But then the size can win. So it's, it's a, that's a tough situation to try to figure out if you're a defensive coordinator when he's on the football field. And, and so that's something that I guarantee you the Jaguars coaches are going to be watching very closely. And they are preparing, I guarantee you, for the Raiders to have him. And it's not like they have another guy that can step up in those shoes. They have other tight ends that are okay, but none. Now, Darren Waller's an elite player when he's on his game. I'm, I'm talking elite player. And you can't replace elite players with backups. You put it to this team uh, a few years ago in a matchup in, what was that, 2019. How many targets did he have? He had 10 targets, 8 catches, 122 yards in that game. Did not score. Dominant. But that was a, um, yeah, that was a, that was, that was a wild one. Yeah. He's, a, he was, he's a dominant player when he's on his game. And, and that's the crazy thing. If, if the Raiders get rolling with Josh Jacobs running the ball, who he is considered, PFF has him ranked as the best running back. I, don't, I wouldn't say that he is the best, but he's really good. Okay, He's right there near the top. So one of the best running backs in the league. You got one of the best tight ends in the league. You got one of the best wide receivers in the league. And you've got a quarterback who, when given time in the pocket, has got excellent touch and excellent accuracy. But many people, ever since he came out, there's always been a question about Derek Carr's toughness. Always been. I, I don't get that, man. He's always proven that he, you know, battles through it, at least to me. I mean, it's He's there I mean, for nine years. I'm with you. I'm with JP. You know, I'm, I'm with you. Finds a way. But there's a reason why those questions exist. And when you watch the game last week against New Orleans, he did not look like his eyes were staying down the field in the face of pressure. He looked like that he was peeking and finding the rush and then finding a reason to try to do something that wasn't necessary. And that's uh, – if you watch that game right there, you would say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a guy that looks like he doesn't deal with pressure very well. Same. But, I mean, it hasn't been like that every week. I'm not yeah. saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying that from watching the game in New Orleans against the Saints, it looked that way. Same draft class as Blake Bortles, by the way. They were all in here on visits yeah, together 2014, on the same day. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, when, when Bridgewater was here and he was here and Blake was here all the same day. Yeah. It's the pre-draft uh, visits. You know, and, and, and getting ready for, for the Raiders game, you know, you always always put together my board. And, and when you do a broadcast, you have a board. And this past – game in London, you had the opportunity to work with Mike Mayock. I did, yes. Who was the former general manager of the Oakland Raiders, so that was cool. It was interesting perspective on uh, on the Raiders, for sure, yeah. all weekend. We got, uh, <laughs> yeah, we got some great stories about the Raiders, and uh, I always had high respect for Mike Mayock, and I still do. I think he's a, I think he's a very good personnel guy. I think that he would, he would do a very good job for a team in some kind of capacity, but the the dynamic with John Gruden with the Raiders uh, it didn't work. 
And, uh, you know, the old saying is, is that, you know, stick to what you know, I think can be aptly applied in a lot of different cases. And if you're a coach, stick to coaching. If you're a personnel guy, stick to being a personnel guy. And so you don't try to be a coach if you're a personnel guy and vice versa. You don't try to be a personnel guy if you're a coach. Right. And, but Gruden had the control and the final say, and that was kind of how it went there a lot of times. And this is part of it. Is that saying he had the con? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's right. Uh, But, um, you know, for, for Mike Mayock, uh, you know, how many opportunities like that are going to come along and, that uh, you know he they don't he come a, along very often. Took a chance to do it, and I you think he learned a chances lot. Very got, often. Right, but he, he learned a lot about the process, and um, now I'm sure at some point he'll be back on television if he wants to be. Doesn't have to be now after the last few years, but um, they got to the playoffs last year. Is, then he, he, still, got fired. is he still getting paid? I'm sure he is. Yeah. God, I'm, I'm guessing has so. Another, I didn't, we didn't quite I get into yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you box. don't ask guy, hey, man, you still making money from <laughs> the Raiders? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. I don't know. We'd have to, you could probably, somebody could probably Google that and find out how many years he had left. I'm going to guess he's doing fine. Yeah, because uh, very different than players. If a coach or a personnel guy gets fired and they had a contract, that contract has to be paid out. And he got fired after they went to the playoffs. Remember that? Uh, yeah. So with uh, which I, with I, I thought coach. I thought that Mark Davis made a huge mistake. And I'm, I'm look, I'm not down on on the current coach of the Raiders. OK, because I think Josh McDaniels is a good football coach. Well, they're not. Yeah, they're not performing well right now. But okay. I, I thought that Rich Basaccio, yes, the special teams coach who became the interim coordinator, did such a good job last year. I was shocked that they didn't just retain him and Mike. I I, th- I thought for sure because they showed noticeable improvement in what was an extremely tough situation with all the negative attention and the negative light that was was shined on the Raiders organization, and uh, and it would have saved Mark Davis a bunch of money. Well, I don't know. There it is, and um, so the Raiders are coming in here. Uh, there is the. Injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, if you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150, loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. This truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, will wrap it up and then coming up, At 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. The Jaguars head coach will join us in about 15 minutes' time. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Mike Dempsey and Fat Tony. Jaguars today. All Jaguars, all NFL, all the time. 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, and we take a look. If you're watching on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube on the video side, it's the Miller Electric Center. Moving along quite nice. It should be open for business for Training Camp 2023. It's going to be really, really awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really come together. It's pretty cool because the, the main building itself, is uh, starting to get the roof on it. They're painting some of the, 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 the steel around the edges of the roof. 
the grandstand is going up where there's going to be city seating to watch the practice fields. The indoor complex uh, roof is all the structure components of the roof are in place. So, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's big. Oh, it's big. That whole right. area is big. Yes, Joe. Hi, Joe Fortunato's with us. Uh, hey, gentlemen, next week that. we may not be able to see that shot. Why is that? It'll be dark. Oh, yeah, the time changes. Yeah, thanks. That's a good uh, point. We'll, we'll pre-record that shot. Yeah, we'll just roll this one back over and over and over <laughs> and over. And over. They, they stopped construction somehow. They had to show that uh, we'll, we'll pre-record so we have a, a daylight shot of it every week. How about that? <laughs> right. All right, so the Raiders and the Jaguars coming up. Raiders 2-5. and five, They're practicing down at IMG in Bradenton this whole week. They were in New Orleans and got shut out last week. And they've been away from home for a long time, and they're geared up and trying to get some points on the board at least this week. The Jaguars have dropped five in a row after a two and one start. Boy, uh, some key moment issues. We talked about them earlier. Logs uh, Jags pretty good between the twenties, not so good in the red zone, not so good in the goal to go situations as of late. And the Jags defense, middle of the pack uh, as a whole. But in key moments late in games, they've been unable to hang on to leads or throw over the top unable to stop the run here or there and uh, now that that equals five straight losses the turnover margin now minus two on the season that that has flipped from the early two three weeks to start the season so yeah, that's, that's what a, happens I mean you just look at the at the categories of of the two games that you've won versus the games that you haven't won the the takeaway giveaways is, is drastically different the penalties per game is drastically different the disappointing thing is the penalty category, the Broncos were awful in that category. Made a bunch of mistakes. I mean, what, 10 in, in the first game. half? What was uh, it? They had like Nine? I think 12 or 13 in the game. The Ooh. Jaguars had five. And so you're thinking, okay, boy. And, and They had four on that one drive alone where they threw they the, the interception. The game management was not really any better for Nathaniel Hackett in that game, getting a delay of game on a kickoff. <laughs> right. I, have you ever seen that? I, we had never seen that on, the, on our broadcast. I had never, never. seen that. I, <laughs> and I said that on, on our broadcast, which was, you know, we were right there. I think I said, what in the world is going on here? How do you do How do you get that? I mean, really? And it, was, uh, it wasn't like you had a, a controversial two-point try that, you know, are they going to replay it and you're wondering what's going on? They had a guy lined up on the wrong side of the field that had to go to the other side, and they ran out of time. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But, yeah, that, uh, that – and, I, you know, every week, if you go to Jaguars.com, I think it's published on Saturdays. It's the uh, what the experts think about the game, right? Yes. Do you do that too? Uh, you you write in it. I am one of the experts considered one of the experts okay, from it, time to time. It's, you know, John Osher compiles all the people's opinion. It's you and me and Brian Sexton. Actually, it's called Sullivan. final analysis. Okay, uh, Frank Frangie. Everybody chimes in and what they think how the game's going to go. Brent Martineau is even in there, and uh, and so I'm just putting some of my thoughts together. My first thought is how the Jaguars win is if they if they get back to playing complimentary football, which this football team hasn't had in the last five games. If one component doesn't play well, the other component picks them up. And if one component plays well, then the other has a positive play that reinforces the next opportunity for the other unit. And it just hasn't been happening. 
you know, when the Jaguars take the lead, for example, late in the ball game, defense has got to get the stop. You know, or if the Jaguars have the lead, then the defense gets a stop. Okay, then the offense needs to put together maybe a four-minute drill to eat the game clock up so the defense doesn't have to go out there later in the game. Or if the offense sputters, you know, and they got a lead. Okay, they don't gain anything, a three and a punt. Okay, Logan Cook, do a, do a great job of having a great punt to flip the field the other way to make the opponent have to drive 90 yards. And if you're the defense, don't allow an opponent to drive 98, 98. yards. Oh. I mean, that's what complimentary football is all about, and this team needs to get back to playing good complimentary football. Jaguars all-access television tonight, String Sports Brewery and Springfield, the site. Cold beer. Cold beer. Josh Allen is the regular player host of that show. Who's his guest tonight? Foye Lucan. Very nice. Yeah, the free agent middle linebacker that the Jaguars were able to pick up from the Atlanta Falcons, been a tackling machine, and it'll be good to talk with him. And uh, he's a he's a Ivy League guy. Yale. Yale. Yeah, there's not uh, there's not many linebackers in the NFL that have gone to Yale. How many Ivy League guys are there in the NFL now currently? Any idea? I don't know. I, I don't know really either. research that. That would be that would be a good trivia question, Joe. Well, Fitzgerald's out. He was a Harvard guy. Who? Ryan Fitzgerald. Uh, uh, who? Uh, the quarterback. Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Maybe? Jeez. Fitzmagic. I'm sorry. Excuse the me. The bearded one who is now on Thursday He's night. On TV. Amazon tonight. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Been a long day. Uh, he was a Harvard guy. Yeah. I'm there aren't to, many. There's a uh, there's a tight end. Maybe that, a kicker too. There's a tight. No, there's, there was a tight end. That uh, that the Jaguars faced in the last couple of weeks, it was uh, I think a Harvard guy too. But a- anyway, there's not many. No, is the point. Right. So and he's up there, what top five in the league in tackles again? Yeah, and he's been playing pretty solid. I, I think he's got a lot of room that he can still grow in this in this Mike Caldwell defense. And the Jaguars defensively, they play uh, sometimes they play a coverage which is kind of a blended man and a zone and and it's kind of weird and it's hard to explain but essentially you have one side plays man the other side plays zone so the one part that you have to be careful of is that if one of the receivers from the zone side runs over to the side of the field that the man side is on somebody's got to go right because the people over there are leaving with their guy that's in man because they're in man coverage over there so they've had a – and it's there's, there's not many teams in the league that do this. It's pretty interesting. And they've had a little bit of struggle with trying to, to communicate and understand the exact commitments that's required with, with this blended coverage. And so that will be a, a an interesting question. And I'm looking, I'm looking forward to asking Foyer is that, you know, is this something that he's doing for the first time? How do you, how do you get better at that? You know, how do you get better as a defense to close the games out? But I'm looking forward to talking with him because, uh, you know, I know he's a smart guy. Look, you don't go to that school if you don't have a little bit of intelligence. Yeah. JP, I mean, look, there's a lot of guys. Well, Harvard, went, Harvard of the South over here. I uh, mean, well, like I, I said, know. a lot of guys that went to Alabama are not particularly smart. By the way, there, uh, at least at the start of the season, there were nine Ivy League players from five different schools that earned 53-man roster spots nine. at the start of the season. Nine of them. Can you yeah. name them? I've got him. Give him to Cam- me. Cameron Brait for the Buccaneers from Harvard. 
What position is he? Uh, Tight end. Yep. Okay. Uh, Michael Hoked, I think, from Brown playing for the Rams. Okay. Uh, Jesper Horstead, Princeton for the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy that uh, uh, he's a tight end. This yep. is the one we're going to be mad at ourselves. Kyle Juszczyk, Harvard, 49ers. Yeah, good right? player. And Foyer, of course, from Yale for the Jaguars. Tyler Ott for the Seahawks, went to Harvard. What, what position does he play? I don't, yeah, well, I don't you don't know. know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Reading a press release. Yeah. And then Rodney Thomas from uh, Yale with the Colts. Uh, Greg Van Roten from Penn for the Bills. And Justin Watson from Penn for the Chiefs. Okay. There you have it. Penn. Penn's like football you. Is that like two, two or three? That's at the start of the regular season. Yeah. Initial 53-man roster. That's cool, though. There you go. I'm glad than we I'm thought. Glad. I'm, well, yeah, I didn't think it was going to be that many. I would have. What is it? Would you say eight? There were nine at nine. the start of the season because Fitzpatrick and Treader retired. Okay, so nine. I was thinking if I had to guess, I would have said like four. Right. Yeah, I mean would, that's kind of where we. Four? That's kind of where we are we're yeah. at, right? There's anyway. a handful of guys on practice squads also, but you know, at the start of the year, so cool stat. Of course, that's nine weeks ago, so yeah, it might be different now. Now rosters change back and forth from practice squad to injured reserve, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Anyway. Uh, all right, so how are you feeling about this game? Nervous. The R- reason why I'm nervous why? is uh, you've played you played the Colts when they were struggling on offense, and Matt Ryan ended up having what was a, a really strong day. You played the Broncos that were struggling on offense, and they were able to get the victory against you. And they made critical plays at key moments as an offense. So, and, and the reason I really concerned is that Derek Carr's been around a long time, just like Russell Wilson. So you know the guy is, is more than capable of what he did against the Saints last week. He's got excellent players at all the levels: running back, tight end, wide receiver, and he's got two good wide receivers: Hunter Renfro, who he's not really using much. And Devontae Adams, who is a Pro Bowl guy. So, yeah, I'm nervous. And the Jaguars have not played well. So, I mean, I mean, what, what, do you want me to say I feel good about it? Oh, no, I didn't. I was just asking you how you felt. I'm, I'm a little nervous. Okay, it sounds I like was, you are. I was nervous last week. You know, I, I was hoping that Denver would be more interested in sightseeing than preparing for a game, but They obviously prepared enough. We'll hear from Doug Peterson coming up in just a few moments on the Doug Peterson Show on the network. That's it for Jaguars Happy Hour on Jaguars Radio.